Welcome to Saucy Shorts, brought to you by Copycat Creative. This is Open, by Catherine Case. Read by Felicity Holbrook. She'd now torn the napkin into lots of tiny, flimsy squares. The gummy residue of drinks gone by was causing little tufts to stick to the granite bar in a fibrous mess. She dipped the corner of a fresh napkin into her soda water and wiped the bar clean before discarding it. She sipped the water, then chased it with wine, hoping that she'd achieve a kind of clear-headed mellowness if she alternated between the two. It wouldn't do to be drunk. Or maybe it would. Who knows? If you are feeling mighty generous, you might call this bar middle of the road. Nice enough, but in no danger of being considered original. Trendy, low-slung Edison light bulbs, chunky industrial bar stools, and expensive cocktails called things like Porn Star and King Pong. A group of girls were shrieking in one corner, unmistakably a Hindu. One of them was cross-eyed with booze and had a bride-to-be sash slung across her poorly concealed breasts. She giggled as she held a penis-shaped straw to her pursed lips and slurped greedily at a clementine-coloured drink with a tiny yellow rubber ducky floating in it. She slopped some of it down her chin as she finished it, slamming her glass down and demanding another. Olivia watched them until they caught her staring, then turned back to her wine feeling old and nosy. The barman, or mixologist, as the menu generously dubbed him, was practising his tricks for the gaggle of hens. With nobody but her sat at the bar, he was free to flip, toss and nearly drop his shaker full of sugary booze. Not that the hens noticed his mistake, they clapped and whooped and cried out for more. She watched his bulky shoulders moving beneath his black T-shirt. They didn't ripple, so much as not and unknot themselves, as he tossed the cocktail shaker to and fro, smarming away at his captive audience. He was handsome, she decided. Or fit, she supposed. Yes, fit. That's what her niece would have called him. Twangy and lean and twinkly of eye. Short black hair gelled into place. And a barbed wire tattoo unashamedly circling his bicep. Not classically handsome. But cheeky. A cheeky-faced chap that probably wore bootcut jeans with going-out shoes at the weekend. And was good to his mum and no one else. Oh yes, doubtless a mummy's boy. No two ways about it. You could always tell. The ease with adoring women. The total lack of self-consciousness. The slight Neanderthalic bulge to the brow. Overloved and underdeveloped. There was a good chance he still took his washing home every Sunday. His career as a barman probably afforded him access to countless girls happy to tumble into bed with him. 
but she suspected few of them left his company wholly satisfied. He would still be doing this job long after pretty girls had stopped agreeing to go home with him. She had another go at her wine. It wasn't a very good bottle. Too sweet. He'd be just sitting down to dinner now. Maybe he's on the Dutch courage too. Jumping and twitching every time someone brushes past his table. Fearing being snuck up on. Frightened of being caught off guard and getting off to an awkward start. He was wearing his old school tie when he left the house. Sky blue and navy, with a yellow ticking stripe woven in, planting it firmly in the nostalgic, rather than the ironically stylish. Well, that's me off. He had bid her a cheery farewell. You look lovely. Have fun. He kissed her briefly, then hurried down the garden path in his second favourite cashmere jumper, forgetting to latch the gate behind him, like he always did. Old-fashioned at the best of times, her husband could not hope to comprehend the sensible millennial brand of try-before-you-buy etiquette. One or two easily escapable drinks sans the sit-down dinner. No. The last time he was a-courting, you took a girl to the nicest place you could afford, made harumphing small talk with her dad in the front room while she applied a final coat of lipstick, and got her home just after eleven with naught but a clumsy, yet heady petting session in the front seat of your Ford Cortina as your reward. Would this woman be charmed by her husband's fustiness? His obvious nerves. The leg jigging annoyingly under the table. She'd wander into the restaurant, motion to the host that, no, she didn't need a table. Her date was already there waiting for her. She's blonde, be a redhead. He could be treating himself. Tall, of course, with kind eyes and plenty of makeup. Neither Olivia's polar opposite nor her doppelganger. Similar enough to feel safe, but different enough for the whole exercise to be worthwhile. She'll still be half a restaurant away, this woman, and only able to see the back of his head. But it's a good head. No bald patch to interrupt the thick, dark thatch that was the envy of every other husband at the golf club. Shoulders still squared, with only the slightest hint of the late-life hunch that was definitely in the post. As she rounds the table, she'll be greeted by the warm, wide smile that made her pause over his profile photo in the first place. He will rise as she sits, as all nice boys from his generation tend to, before settling back into his seat and asking after her journey. Was the northern line unkind to her? No, he hadn't been waiting long. Yes, he did think rush hour had got a bit worse over the summer. At what point, she mused, would he stumble headfirst into the hindquarters of the elephant in the room? The agreement had been that they took it in turns to be back for the babysitter, and Olivia had offered to take the first shift. She needed to be home for eleven at the latest. Her husband could, in theory, take all the time he wanted. He was at his leisure. 
her wine glass was empty. True, her curfew was eleven, but she needn't be sober. A glance at her watch told her that she had ticked a full fifteen minutes closer to a no-show. May as well. This guy wasn't coming. She flicked a finger upwards to beckon the barman, who had by now stopped flipping cocktail shakers, and was morosely stacking and unstacking the steaming glass washer. She indicated her glass, wordlessly, and he poured her another. Did you want to start a tab? he asked, eyeing her carelessly. She shook her head. Cheeky bastard. Mid-glug, she turned, bored, on her bar stool, and her eyes rested on a pretty blonde girl. All softness and dimples, deep in conversation with a beautiful Greek-looking boy. Their heads bent closely together, too close to just be friends. Her hands were clasped in front of her, as her companion stroked one with a single forefinger. He suddenly pulled away and reached for his back pocket to retrieve a buzzing phone. He frowned at the screen and glanced up at his companion, holding up two fingers. Two minutes, promise. He answered the phone with his other hand, rose and absented himself. The blonde drummed her fingers on the table briefly, before rummaging in her handbag to scoop out her own phone, which she studied intently, but not intently enough to convince. Every so often, she glanced up at the door through which the boy had disappeared. Penny for them? A tap on her shoulder made Olivia jump, and she felt a flush of shame at being caught so blatantly spying. Oh, God! Hi! She spilled off her bar stool and, naturally, fell heavily against his chest. With some effort, he helped her upright and took a step back from her. Whoops! He grinned kindly. Steady! Without dignity, she clambered back onto her perch and flicked her hair out of her eyes. She could feel her cheeks burning. Sorry, I... You scared me. Well, I am terrifying. He laughed as he pulled up a neighbouring bar stool and asked, So, what are we drinking? Wine? Works for me. He flagged down the barman, and made a pantomime of consulting the wine list in the mimicked style of a wine snob caricature, theatrically helping himself to her glass without asking. He clearly fancied himself a comic. He was so tall. Enormous, really. He looked ridiculous on a stool, hunched and folded over the bar like Gulliver. His huge, hairy hands folded over one another like baseball mitts. She had always disliked hairy men. I'm horribly late, he eventually offered after his wine had arrived. Got cobbled up at work and, you know, it was a whole thing. He waved his tarantula-like hands around as he spoke. She eyed him quietly over the rim of her wine glass. With the height came a paunchy belly. Not fat exactly, but large. There was just so much of him. Too much. An overwhelming quantity of man. 
She felt herself actually edging away from him as he began to expand on the unspeakably boring story surrounding his lateness. He was probably well hung, she decided, without enthusiasm. Likely a great swinging trunk of a thing. Unwieldy and unnecessary. Definitely a boozer. He was two-thirds of the way through his bucket of red wine already, and was doing most of the talking. And almost certainly a father. His eyes bore deep, sagging dark welts beneath them, the unmistakable scars of early mornings and sleepless nights. He was relaxing company in a way. He mostly wanted to talk about himself and his job, so it rarely fell to her to drive the conversation, which was something of a relief. She allowed his Essexy brogue to wash over and pass through her, as he carefully sidestepped all family conversation and babbled about some Netflix series he liked. Something about aliens in the 80s? Sounded silly. He caught her off guard, however, when he asked what her husband did for a living. Oh, he's a vet, she answered. He gave a low whistle. Nice. How long do you have to study for that? He was threatened, as she knew he would be. His tone had slipped into detached admiration with a side order of mild hostility. Um, four years? She cast about for something to say. What did you say you did again? He looked a little put out. Clearly they'd covered this already and she hadn't been listening. He deflated a little. Primary school teacher. Oh, lovely. I always thought I might teach, but then my dad pushed me to go to drama school and that was that. He perked up a bit at this. Yes! Couldn't believe it when I saw your picture pop up. I thought, I know her. Where do I know her from? Were we at school together? Do I know her from uni? Then it clicked. Here he snapped his fingers for punctuation. TV! I know her from the telly! She's the bird from the butter ads! He laughed. You could have knocked me down with a feather! She cringed at the horribly dated parlance. A trickle of small talk about her job ensued. What other ads she'd been in, her various tours across Europe with obscure theatre companies. The slow winding down of job offers as she dragged one, then two children into the world before tentatively burrowing down into life as a stay-at-home mum. She didn't miss it, she told him, firmly. What she didn't go on to say was that her mum had never been around when she and her sisters were little. And she'd always resented it. She had wanted to be a proper mum to her own children. A lunchboxes and papier-mâché type mum, who knew the names of her daughter's best friends, and knew when her son's teacher's birthday was. She had told herself she could not be both, a touring actor and a half-decent mum. Her husband had heartily agreed, and she had shed her career like an ill-fitting shift dress, one that had suited her so well for years, but was now straining across the backside. Ah, oh, he murmured, 
swirling his wine about his glass in a manner which he clearly considered pensive. So that's why you're here. Olivia didn't respond. Suddenly, half keen to hear his theory if he had one. He continued, This is a bit of... what? Revenge? For having to give up acting? Payback for staying home all those years and raising the brood while he went out and... He searched for the right word. Succeeded? She winced. Maybe... Well, not really. It wasn't, strictly speaking, my idea. We had this... Christ, I hate how this sounds. But we had this shrink that, um, suggested it. We weren't... You know. She widened her eyes and rotated one hand in mid-air to indicate her meaning. Well, ever. And, um, I didn't think that was normal. So I insisted on seeing someone who might help us. He wasn't keen, but then I convinced him and the only suggestion that seemed to kindle any enthusiasm from him was this idea of seeing other people. It was like... She studied her shoes for a moment. Like someone had turned a light on. She drained her glass. The next morning I come downstairs and he's mapped it all out. What kind of people we could see how we could meet them, what rules we needed to keep it all in check. It was the most galvanised I'd seen him over anything. Ever. She laughed bitterly. The important thing was that we kept it all open, he said. That we kept communicating with one another. For the kids' sakes. They must never know about it. As far as they know, Mummy's out with a friend and Daddy's working. She stopped because she needed to. An abrupt need to cry that she shoved deep down into her feet. Sometimes it crept up on her like that. Then this man, this stranger, did something unspeakable. He reached across the table and put a hand on hers, enclosing her comparatively tiny appendage with his enormous furry one. It was unpleasantly clammy. I know, he said with kindness. I'd rather be anywhere but here too. She fought a powerful urge to snatch her hand away from his. His wife had died, she learned, quite suddenly and without fuss. She had dropped down dead at Bank Tube Station during rush hour nearly a decade ago. A young trader on his way to work had thought it most peculiar when a glossy-haired, Burberry-macked woman in her forties had slumped face-first into his shoulder while waiting on the platform. Massive heart attack. Poof. Gone. A vascular quirk that had lain dormant and undetected for years, patiently biding its time. Tragic. Olivia noted that he didn't cry as he rehashed this story, just swivelled slightly on his barstool, and gazed off over her shoulder occasionally. At some point during his tale, she had slipped her hand out from under his. So here I am, ten years widowed. 
he put two pairs of bunny ear quotation marks around the word with his fingers. And now the girls are at secondary school, I thought, maybe... It might be nice for them not to have to worry about me so much. They do, you know. Worry. He looked directly at her now. You never think they'll worry about you, do you? You assume the traffic will always be one way. She thought of her own children, at home with Stephanie, the perky, capable teenager from next door, oblivious, snuggled up in the utter belief that all was well. Her head suddenly began to thump. She had been forgetting to sip her water. Right, he said, suddenly standing. I think I'll call it a night. She was surprised to find herself disappointed. And you? He leant forward and pecked her on the cheek, patting one of her hands as he did so. You ought to talk to your husband and tell him that this... He indicated the bar, the barman, her wine, everything. This isn't you. She went to protest, but he squeezed her hand, interrupting. It's not and you know it. Tell him to play ball or leave him. That's what I think. He dug a twenty out of his wallet and tucked it under a bar mat. It was lovely to meet you. He gave her a wide, kind smile and left. She stayed on her bar stool, carefully swirling her wine. Oddly, she didn't feel like crying at all. His words hung in the air about her head like bunting. She felt light, like she might float away. A commotion behind her. Without thinking, she swivelled for a better view. The blonde girl and her Greek beau were still sat at their table, but now she was sobbing, while he stared at her listlessly, palms on the table in front of him. What do you want from me, Sal? He splayed his hands, pleading. When she didn't offer a reply, he got to his feet and briskly walked towards the door without looking back. The girl he left behind buried her face in her hands and allowed her shoulders to heave. If she was holding back before, she didn't now. Stumbling as she dismounted, Olivia gathered up her wine and handbag, a present from her husband two Christmases ago, and swayed with purpose towards the blonde's table. She hovered near the boy's recently vacated seat. She wanted to sit down, but seemed to have forgotten how. I'm sorry, she started, clumsily. The blonde looked up, her tear-streaked face confused, embarrassed, surprised. Can I sit here? She sat. I'm so sorry, she repeated. It's just that you're crying, and I saw you, and you're crying. Um, the girl wiped her eyes with her sleeve. Sure, I... Yes, if you want to. Olivia unsteadily poured the remnants of her bottle into her wine glass 
and pushed it towards her new friend, smiling encouragingly. Here. The girl looked down at the wine, then back up at the clearly shit-faced middle-aged woman who had joined her. You must drink some. It's not very good, but I think you should drink some anyway. Are you sure? The girl eyed the drink like it might be laced with arsenic. Olivia propped her elbows unsteadily on the table, rested her chin on her fists, and closed her eyes. I'm leaving my husband, she declared, slurring now. I'm not sure of anything. This short story was brought to you by Copycat Creative and read by Felicity Holbrook. To receive a Saucy Shorts email to your inbox every Friday, please subscribe via the link found on the Saucy Shorts podcast homepage. Saucy Shorts, just a little bit of what you fancy.